Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Trunk, uh, where each week we'll be playing host to a supporter from another club that we're due to be facing. And as much as we're never going to support the horrible preseason nature of transfer speculations, um, headlines, tittle tattle, as it were, we're still going to have a, a nice little constructive chat with two of our friends in Madrid. So we've got Bassam and Kaushikon from RealMadridFootballBlog.com. So thanks very much for joining us this week, guys. And, of course, I have Raj with me as well. Um, Evening. You all right? Hey, hello, mate. How are you doing? Not too bad yourself? Yeah, I'm all right. I think this is the first time I've actually heard your voice. Yeah, first time you've had the pleasure, indeed, yeah. Yeah, of course. You, 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 you're not disappointing me there with your broad, uh, broad northern tones. So. I've actually... Um, this is my phone voice. It gets worse if I'm <laughs> speaking to anyone else. So. <laughs> well... Um, Let's go into it with, uh, first of all, Bassam, I guess, how, how did you come to get involved with the uh, with the site and, you know, how did you get drawn to Real and the club and everything in general? Your life story, if you like. Uh, sure. First of all, thanks for having us here. It's a real pleasure. And uh, basically, maybe 13 years ago, watching a random game on TV as a little 10-year-old, uh, saw Roberto Carlos score a 40-yard free kick against Barcelona. And I was already living in a country that was kind of inclined to support uh, Brazilians in in football. So kind of just kept on following since then and learned about, you know, a couple like decent players like Zidane and Raul and Figo and all those players. And since then, just been consistently following. And I think it was in 2010 or 2009 where I uh, met uh, our the founder of the blog that we have. Uh, we were running first from the Real Madrid offside blogs and just commented on that website. One thing led to another, started writing some posts. And I think two years ago, we made the... Actually, about exactly two years ago, we made the switch to Real Madrid football blog, and it's been going steady since then. Oh, happy birthday! Happy well, second year anniversary. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I guess it's probably quite a good starting point as a Real Madrid fan to see uh, to see one of the best players scoring against Barcelona as well. It's not a not a bad start to life, is it? Uh, I couldn't have asked for a better one. <laughs> and h- how about you as well, there, Kalsik? Um, it's a little funny here, actually. Uh, where I live, uh, it's a predominantly English Premier League-oriented country. So um, I started my football watching with a lot of EPL, but uh, one fine day, my father tells me that, uh, let me show you 
what real football is like and then uh, it's it happens a little late here about midnight or so and then he tells me look at this guy rahul zeta and roberto carlos beckham pigo blah blah pretty much the same story for most uh, real madrid fans are basam and mine age so uh, i guess that was that was how i got into real madrid and um, I, i guess the white kit really sticks and you should know all about it too well yeah yeah <laughs> going to be winning guys over that i think uh, well you can't you can't deny the talents of zidane and so but i think you know I think Raj will agree with me that if if Charlie Adam had been playing at the time, you would have probably stayed with the Premiership, wouldn't you say, Raj? Well, I was listening to their stories of the players they were listing when they like grew up watching Real Madrid, and I was thinking back to when I first watched Spurs, and I had Dean Marnie and Mido <laughs> as my first. I was looking at it; it's a bit different. Just a bit. Yeah. Well, th- thank yourself. Uh, lucky that it wasn't Jason Dazelle and uh, Clive Wilson. You know. <laughs> a bit better, but he's still no Zidane, is it? Well, I don't know, you know, well, maybe. We could have signed him, but, you know. Apparently so, yeah, one of the many players Tottenham could have had over there, over the time. I think it who was, uh, who else was, I think it was uh, Sheffield United that were going to sign Maradona at one point as well, apparently, but anyway. Yeah, of cocaine in Sheffield, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, you hear all sorts of funny stories. Uh, I think it was Bolton who almost signed Zidane, but um, their manager wanted to you know throw him out because they didn't think he was technically good enough <laughs> actually i think the complaint was that he was too slow on the pitch which uh i mean that worked out well for Bolton i guess yeah Sam Allardyce. <laughs> yeah. dude i loved it pinging it up from 40 yards back that's his uh, style of football it's yeah. I, I think he's maybe not well actually to be fair so Dan, he got stuck in didn't he you know, he he's ended his career headbutting someone so can't say he's not hard enough for Bolton you know they they like to get put a foot in, as we say. <laughs> Different between a foot and a head, though, isn't it? Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, I mean, how how do you think the season went for you, for you guys? I mean, it was much uh, quite quite disappointing, I imagine, in places. I think the big disappointment about this season it were the. I mean, this is synonymous with Real Madrid, considering which is expectations are high. But I think after last season, breaking the record for most points in La Liga history, coming into this season, expectations were very high. And we were we beat Barcelona in the Super Cup. And then came Man City. We beat, the, we beat them. And expectations were just as high as they can get. And it just went downhill. Just took a huge dip. And it's odd to say that you know, a season went downhill considering we reached the semifinals of the Champions League, we reached the finals of the final of the Cup, and we did come in in second. But considering the expectations, considering all the controversy that went around, I guess that's co- also consistent with a team having Mourinho as his manager. Mm. Uh, I would say it was it was a it was a very disappointing season, and losing to our direct rivals for the first time in 14 years in a final in our stadium. Uh, that still hurts to say. I was going to say, it's yeah. going to be pretty painful. Yeah, yeah missing out is... to your local rivals or something we're well used to, so... Yeah. We know how it feels here. It's all right, yeah. We're, we're, we're used to it, but now it's something that happens on an almost yearly basis, so you best get used to it, to be frank. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you know this, over. um 
But uh, the the Arsenal fans have this particularly obnoxious day of the season that they call St Totteringham's Day, which is the day that they officially finish above us and we cannot finish above them, say mathematically. And it's it's becoming pretty depressing, isn't it, Raj? Yeah, it's like Christmas for them on a yearly basis. I mean, I genuinely don't think I remember in my lifetime a, a year that we finished above Arsenal. So it, every season that we come close, a, a point away from them, it just becomes even more heartbreaking that we've not done it and I don't get to laugh in the faces that we've done it. But yeah, well, another I, season like that's not going to be fun next year. I can uh, point you towards some Atletico Madrid fans. <laughs> 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 Everyone kind of forgets about Atletico, don't they? But I guess even even you guys, maybe sometimes. Uh, the players surely did on the Copa del Rey final day. Wow! Well, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, do you, I mean, do you have that kind of? I can imagine as much as you say the expectations are really high. There must be that part of you as well, though that that must see that you're, you're still obviously successful. You know that it it might not be recognised tangibly by actually, say, winning the league or a cup this season. But what you've done still is is really something to be admired. And, you know, you are still one of the biggest teams on the face of the planet. It must be must be quite hard. I don't know. I guess I find it quite hard being a Spurs fan to gauge what you consider a success and what you don't. Because there's, there's quite a thing in the, in the Premiership at the moment whereby... People seem to consider just finishing in the top four and to qualify for the Champions League as a success. But there's just as many Spurs fans that would say, well, I'd probably rather actually win a trophy, win a cup, than just finish in the top four. Um, and it, it seems to be, it causes a lot of infighting, I guess, amongst fans. This, you know, what do you consider a success? Is it the thing that will reap financial rewards? So the Champions League, essentially, or something that, is a piece of silver in your trophy cabinet that you can have your name on and it stays there forever. Um, and I guess with football the way it is now, it's getting harder and harder to see kind of what is success and what's not. I mean... It's a bit different on Madrid, isn't it? You're kind of fixated about winning La Decima now, aren't you? So it's it's a thing that keeps eluding you season after season. And that's... I think that you're trading just about you'd lose to Atletico Madrid twice a season if you managed to win that 10th Champions League. I think I'll, that's tell, I'll tell you what we were willing to trade to win La Decima, and that's hiring Jose Mourinho as our manager. <laughs> that, I, think, I think that just mentions how, how desperate we are to get that 10th title and what we were willing to do, and we gave him full control of the club, and, well, uh, here we are. Uh, managerless and uh, uh, with a lot of uh, uncertainty around us. But uh, I, I can understand the idea of uh, financial over trophy success. I, I think I think from a certain point of view, in it's different in uh, the Spanish league than it is in the Premier League, considering how the money distribution is, uh, is handled. Hmm. It's not handled up to position. It's made up to viewership. And that's a deal that's kind of, constructed ahead of time uh i don't know if you guys know but it's a really messed up system where real madrid and barcelona get about uh, a good 80 percent of the money and the rest is divided over the other clubs and that's all the television uh, and media money in it it's not it's not evenly spread yep, yep. 
Yeah, so uh, basically Real Madrid and uh, Barcelona, I think, get around 140 million euros a year. The next club is Valencia and Atleti that get 46. So you can see the gap, and that's not going to change if we finish third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. That's gonna that's a consistent number that just stays there. So that kind of puts the the financial part of the equation out of sight, and it's just about winning a trophy at the end of the day because they don't really care about the money part. Uh, we've had the city bail us out by selling by selling them grounds for. Uh, a lot of money to cover debt, and it's basically just up to us bringing in La Liga or the Champions League. The Copa del Rey, as odd as it sounds, is not a trophy that is very well rated. Well, I guess it's the same with the, the FA Cup here now, though, isn't it, Raj? You know, it's just, uh, I won't turn my nails up at a Carlin Cup, to be quite frank. I'll, I'll take one of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's... it's <laughs> It's quite hard to gauge our success compared to Real Madrid. I like the fact we're having this conversation. It's a bit of an ego boost to me, really, as a Spurs fan. But, yeah. you know, um, I get no, it's, it's interesting how you say that, though, because, I mean, it's not like players aren't going to go to Real Madrid if you don't finish in the top four anyway. You're still going to be able to sign whoever you want, whereas it's, uh, I guess, it, it, it changes uh, a club's well, destiny. Yeah. La Liga's a duopoly now. I mean, they don't often get torn apart at the top of the league Barcelona and Real Madrid so if you join one of the two you're guaranteed to pick up silverware somewhere even if it's not this season it'll be mm. the next whereas coming to somewhere like Tottenham you could go what has it been now about six years since we won something in 2008 so what five so, yeah. yeah five years since we last won something so mm. that was a Carling Cup more recently than yeah. Arsenal though the most important thing of course eight years <laughs> yeah. since they've won anything yeah. that's, that's eight years Arsenal fans since you've won something that's it I mean, you it, can have your own day uh, to celebrate that. Well, there's, there's actually there's actually a website, isn't it? I think it's uh, since, since Arsenal, Arsenal lost, lost one of the trophies. Yeah, dot com. <laughs> so it's it's quite interesting. I mean, it was it was interesting hearing you talk about Mourinho there, um, because I mean, obviously the media in the UK are absolutely beside themselves with him. They absolutely love him. He's Chelsea's poster boy. He's you know seen as this real kind of witty, friendly character. I mean, when I say kind of loved in the UK, I, I don't mean by everyone. <laughs> You're not going to have many of our <laughs> listeners that really are a fan of his. But just in terms of the mainstream media, they are beside themselves that he's come back and they call him the special one and all this kind of thing. I mean, what was his effect? I mean, what was it that really went wrong with Madrid? Was it the the football he played or the way he was or, you know... It's a, it's a pretty complicated story. So I, I think ultimately it boils down to uh, personality clashes. Uh, Spaniards don't like their manager like Mourinho. Uh, in fact, the word um, for coach or manager in Spain is entrenadores, which, which is technically trainers. So you're only expected to be a coach doing all the football stuff. Mm. And that is essentially why a lot of teams have your sporting director and a lot of these other BS roles in the middle to do the other thing. What Mourinho did was throw all that out of the window and do what um, he works best with, which is the English League model, where the manager controls everything. So he kind of got into bad relationship with uh, everybody in the media. He threw the media out of Real Madrid. And with Real Madrid, media is... They, they have a very nice relationship going where the top players and the president, they're, they're all, you know, buddies and 
Mourinho did not want any of that. So he got into their bad books with that. And um, and then he, after that, he just started taking cheap shots at everyone, um, whether, be, whether it was the youth team coach or whether it was some journalist in a press conference. And I guess the relationship just went sour um, starting from this season. I think it was a... Uh... It was something that was just being hidden by a very good second season, but something that started way before that. That started with us losing to Barcelona to Barcelona in the his first season in the in the semifinals of the Champions League. He now has, I'm sure, as you know, the infamous rant in which he went on asking Porque, Porque, why did like why are they winning by cheating? This this whole obsession that everything's against him. Yeah, we know that one well. <laughs> yes, there's a controversy. Then came next season where we want the second season at the beginning where he poked the manage the assistant manager's eye by attacking him from behind. Then went on to like walk away and wonder why why was everyone overreacting that he poked someone's eye because that's a normal thing for a manager to do. <laughs> Uh, then came a lot of being sent off from the from the sidelines. Came a lot. He kicked out uh, Valdano, which is was a good thing. Valdano was a club legend. He was the sporting director. They were their jobs were kind of overlapping, and he might have. Like, I agree that Valdano needed to leave, but the way that Mourinho went about it was in a very aggressive way, in which he kind of took it out to the media, blasted him out, and left. Mm-hmm. And with all the control that he had, much more was expected. And he kind he's, he's not a manager that has the seniority that is expected to come along with uh, the club. Because uh, you can kind of see Real Madrid's the more of the high-end club in Madrid and in Spain. It's the royal club. It's, uh, it's what's historically been associated with this club and that's expected of its manager to the manager is expected to act along these lines at least and as silly as it sounds Mourinho just cannot adjust himself he's like that bully in the middle of the playground that's cussing out at everyone (laughs) with he's just he was just not a fit and as soon as the results weren't helping him it all just boiled down on him. I guess, I mean, though, I, I, I hate, well, it makes me feel almost a bit sick to have to, like, stick up for Mourinho, but it, it, did you not at all see, like, any kind of benefit? I mean, there were certain decisions that were made to, say, like, dropping Ica Casillas, bringing in Diego Lopez that seemed to actually, although it wasn't a popular decision because Ica Casillas is, like, the kind of like one of the darlings of Madrid, I mean, debatably, Diego Lopez came in and performed a lot better than Ica had done for for the for the first part of the season. I think there were a lot of stats to show that Lopez had actually performed really well as the as the number one since he replaced him. Uh, <laughs> Stony silence. I, I was I was going to leave this for Kushik, but I would go ahead and say uh, I don't think the problem was uh, dropping Casillas uh, for Diego Lopez. I think the issue first started. In, in the sense of in the Casillas gate, as we as I'll call it, was when he dropped Casillas for Adan, which was a clearly inferior option. Mm. He was a second option and wasn't expected to ever take any real part of the game. 
and he dropped him and in the press conference revealed that he never informed Casillas that he was going to be dropped, didn't inform him why he was being dropped, and then went on to claim that Adan is a better goalkeeper than Casillas. Uh, and well, he didn't say it was at the moment. but At uh, the moment. But what does that mean? Well, when you... I, I, I think what we can all safely say it means is that Mourinho is a bit of a wanker, really. I think we can... Well, yeah. That's, that's exactly what we can say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, 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 the decision to get Diego Lopez, I think, was mostly supported by majority of fans that did not have hatred towards Mourinho. Mm. I think the it all went down once the media started boiling down on him a lot about that decision. The fact that uh, he wasn't even willing to give him a, a give Casillas, after Casillas came back from injury even a chance in the in a cup game or in a in a league game before uh, the Champions League that wasn't used. A lot of them boiled down, and even if he stuck with that decision, I'm with him in staying with Lopez. But how he dealt with it in the media. Claiming that he tried to kick out, like he he wanted Casillas replaced from day one, then went on to say his biggest mistake was not signing Lopez from from the first season, which is bullshit because I'm sure he did not even know Diego Lopez existed before <laughs> he was forced to sign him in the in the summer in this uh, like in the uh, winter transfer window. It, he just he just went on a crazy rant and it just. That kind of like was the bullet. Yeah, him. I think that was the one that just stood out and it kind of encapsulated the whole uh, Mourinho and Real Madrid mismatch. Uh, the media used it to push Mourinho out. Mourinho used that to cover some really hideous results from this season. Uh, so I guess that got a lot more coverage than it should have. And uh, it's not the decision per se that made the, the relationship go mm-hmm. south. Sounds sounds a bit like the uh, the issues we had with Harry Redknapp, doesn't it, Raj? I think. <laughs> I think so, but I think Redknapp and Mourinho are obviously very different managers. I think where Mourinho's concerned, I think what he tries to do within his squad is where he's been successful is he he creates a siege mentality within them, so that even the media and other teams almost seem like an enemy from outside, so that his players get behind him. Like he'll often he'll often blame a bad defeat on himself rather than. Um, his players and he'll often try and deflect the attention away, similar to what Mancini tried doing last season when he often said that he hadn't prepared the team properly whenever City lost. And that, that siege mentality has worked in the past at Chelsea where the players loved him and texted him after he'd left and, and into where the, the players reacted the same. And They all cried, didn't they? It was a bit embarrassing, yeah, really. they cried when they left and Wesley Schneider still keeps in contact with him and might Aww. end up at Chelsea this summer. And he, he does that, he creates that, that tight-knit group which didn't seem to reflect on Spanish culture um, because there is um, there probably was a large Spanish contingent in there and with him being Portuguese, I'm not, I'm not sure if there's friction or not, but there clearly was. Um, well, I guess... Uh, rebelled more than his other teams have and they didn't buy into that mentality as much as other teams have. Well, I think Real's loss is probably the... Uh... The Premiership's loss as well, getting Mourinho <laughs> back. So uh, I guess it's uh, a good good point to uh, move on and look at the future. And I think there's uh, probably a, an issue that we're, you know, there's an elephant in the room um, at the moment. And that's not any kind of wisecrack about my internet pseudonym, but uh, Gareth Bale. Um, I think that's the name we've all been av- avoiding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a question. Yeah. 
Go for it. Uh, I would go with the question that I think many I've I've question, I've asked about like I've wondered about it just because I didn't follow him as much last year as I did this year. What was the difference between last season to this season? Do you want to because, jump, jump in because, first? Because there was a huge gap in terms of goal scoring ability, in terms of how effective he was on the pitch. Is it just Harry Redknapp? It was just not the right manager for him, and AVB is just that good in man management or getting the best out of him. Or was it some sort of tactical change yeah. in, in terms of position? Because I think this is important in terms of um, how he'd fit in at Madrid if, if we did buy him. I think there's, there's, well, there's a lot of factors that contribute towards it. Um, I'm sure you'd agree, Raj. I think like you, you, you can't overlook the fact that when you look at the two styles of uh, Villas-Boas and Redknapp, Redknapp has that kind of the old-fashioned English mentality that... It, it, it helped us out at times, you know, when he first came in, we were a club in, in dire straits, you know, the, the Ramos project had completely failed, we were languishing at the bottom of the league, albeit with a really talented squad, we just couldn't seem to have any motivation, and I think when Redknapp came in with that mentality of, right, go out there, do what you do best, just make sure you score a goal, and I'll back you, you know, that, that was kind of his mentality, maybe it does him a bit of a disservice, but for all intents and purposes, that that is Harry Redknapp's managing ethos, which is go out there. There's 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 a funny quote he gave to uh, Roman Pavlyuchenko when once when uh, Pavlyuchenko asked him, "Come on, boss, I'm about to go on the pitch. What should I do? How can I change this game?" And Redknapp said, "Just fucking run around a bit, you know." <laughs> like, and that's, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just like it to be known that Pavlyuchenko did go on to to score the winning goal against Liverpool a season where they hadn't been beaten before. So those tactics, those wise words, did come into good effect. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think with uh, and Bale said this a lot himself um, with this Boas this year, it, it is a much more cultured technical approach to the game. There's a lot more preparation put in, and there's a lot more emphasis on an actual tactical game plan um whereas with maybe with Redknapp it was it was quite knee-jerk in places you know it'd be oh we're going to go and play Man United so we should probably defend or we're going to play Stoke next week so we'll attack with first Boas it's more kind of well how are they going to attack us how can we hit them on the counter-attack how can we set ourselves up to win but still to not lose well obviously <laughs> such yeah. is the nature of competition um I mean Raj what would what would you say about Bale? Like, what stands out for you that would be kind of the well, biggest his, change? His transformation for me. I mean, if you look at the two managers he's played under prominently with us, their styles are like comparing chess and drafts. You've got, <laughs> got Redknapp, who is very simple. You could teach a four-year-old how to play this type of football, and it's effective. And not to do him a disservice, what he did at Tottenham, he completely overachieved from what we thought we was going to do. He was, I, I imagine. When Levy hired him, he thought he was going to be there for a season or two, bring back some st- stability, and then he'd be able to to get rid of him without having any fuss. But because he had that sustained period of success, especially in the Champions League where we had a good season, um, it was a bit more of a, of a shock to some people when he left and when we brought AVB in. But with the players we had when Bale was playing under Redknapp as well, there wasn't as much room for him to to express himself as he did. We had Van der Vaart, who had full play in that central attacking midfield position. We had Luka Modric just behind, two players you're obviously very familiar with. 
um, who kept his ticking over and was excellent at doing that job. And Gareth Bale was seen as a left winger. I mean, he'd converted from a left back not long ago, and some people thought he may one day go back to left back. Obviously, that's not the case. But with Villas Boas, because we obviously sold those two players, we had a hole behind the striker that we needed to fill. And with our strikers not performing as well, it seems that they worked proactively together. I mean, I think around the award season where Gareth Bale won things like he was an actor in Lord of the Rings, just <laughs> swept everything. He, um, Villas Boas came out and explained that early on in the season, Gareth had knocked on his door and he said, I want to enjoy my football more and I want to be able to express myself more. And it does sound like it was a sort of sustained effort on both of their parts and a partnership almost between those two that then created this player. Because he's not, obviously, he's not miles ahead from where he was last season. It's just minor things in his games that he's changed. Confidence to strike the ball from far out, um, the licence to roam in the middle and when Redknapp gave him the licence to roam in the middle, it meant that we lacked in other positions. But because he's so much more tactically inept than what Andre Villas-Boas seems to be, we have cover where we need cover when Bale decides to roam. And I think it's a, a sustained team effort and largely down to the manager that he's flourished as much as he has this season and why he's been talked about as an £85, £85 million pound player rather than a loan signing to Nottingham Forest that he was two or three seasons ago. I mean, I, I also think uh, part of it um, is very much his focus. I think that maybe with the names that Raj mentioned before, that Bale kind of maybe wasn't seen as... It, it was only after really the inter-game that people really started to see kind of the potential that he had. I mean, we always knew he had a certain amount of ability. He was probably going to be a, a, a good player. Um but I think it was maybe before kind of how he exploded onto the scene in the Champions League that people really started to see, wow, this guy has a real world-class ability that he, you know, if he plays his cards right, he's he's going to kick on and just get stronger and stronger. And I think, I don't know, I got, I got the feeling personally towards the end of last season when Modric was kind of making a lot more noises again. I mean, he'd obviously before with Chelsea said that he had wanted to leave the season before, but we'd managed to hold on to him. Um, and again, when it looked like we probably were going to be missing out on the Champions League, what with Chelsea doing what they did in the, uh, in the aforementioned trophy to us, um, that Modric clearly wanted to go again. I think it was, it was widely accepted that even if we, probably were in the Champions League. Modric just wasn't happy at the team, whether that was stuff that had happened off pitch or he just wanted to play at a different club. Who knows? But I, I always felt that back then Bale was kind of in, in danger of going that way. I think there were a few moments here and there where he uh, where he was almost a, t- a touch arrogant that, and it was maybe a bit too soon. I think because he got so much press almost out of nowhere after the, the Champions League and how, how brilliantly he performed there. there. There seemed to be a few elements coming into his game when, for example, when Redknapp would try playing him on the right wing as opposed to on the left wing. Um, you could, I, I mean, I can remember one game in particular, like uh, the when we played Everton away and he yeah. was kind of shrugging and kept looking over to the bench like, you know, well, go on. What do you want me to do now then? What should I do? And, you know, there's a bit of a bad attitude coming in, but it seems as though since maybe some of our higher profile players have gone and I think a lot more responsibility has been put on him, he's he's actually really flourished that 
what was maybe kind of the ego of a young guy that had not lost his way as such, but had just as I, as I'm sure any kind of 22, 23 year old that's got the world's press saying, you know, you're amazing that those kind of bits can creep into to your game. But yeah. I think he, yeah, he's really started to actually shoulder the responsibility in a really mature fashion this way. And I think that's given him a lot of confidence and a lot of focus to, to drive on. Yeah, I completely agree. I think with his, his progression under Redknapp, Redknapp's idea of making a player better is to just blow more smoke up his ass. That's mm. his that's his tactic. Whereas I think AVB will give him constructive criticism and tell him how to actually improve his game and, and manage him. And going back to when he played on the right and he was, was slightly more arrogant than he is now with his shrugging and that, he was a bit younger back then. And you can't forget that he's early 20s still. Um, so he's not he's not much older than I am. And to be honest, if I was that good at football, I would be a massive dickhead. Because <laughs> if I could do the things he can with a football, then I would be a horrible person. But it's to his credit that he's not. Um, especially because AVB seems like he's a down-to-earth chap. I mean, there's a, a photo of him just recently when the club went on a tour to Barbados where he's got his swimming trunks on in a jacuzzi with Jan Vertonghen and Moussa Dembele. <laughs> and he just seems like he's... Because he's early 30s, he seems like he's just one of the lads when he's not there, but they have that respect for him. And I think it's a partnership that can't be underplayed, and I think it's largely the reason that I think Bale will stay this season... Uh, unless somebody comes in with £85 million. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys agree, but in my opinion, a lot of it is hinging on the future of Ronaldo. I mean, I, I can't... Personally, I, I, I find it hard to see how you would fit Bale into the team that you have at the moment with, with Ronaldo in there. Um, I, I could only see him being really marginalised in the, in the same squad as Ronaldo. Um and I don't know, do, do you see it as him being a priority signing for, for Madrid? I don't think uh, necessities and needs have ever stopped us from going out and getting anyone. Yeah. <laughs> touché, touché. <laughs> Never a true word. Yeah. Uh, I, I would though think, I, I would agree with you. In, in principle, there's no place for um, uh, Bale and Ronaldo in one team uh, in terms of tactics or in terms of how free both players need to be in order to be most effective. Uh, that said, I, I think probably realistically the only place uh, Bale would fit in and we'd, which we would expect him to perform really well is as an inverted winger. And I, I'm not very happy with uh, hearing about his shrugging and so on. I don't know. Basam, what, what, do uh, what do you have to say on this? I think Kushik makes a good point in the sense that even if Bale has a spot on the squad, that would come at a balance between freedom of Ronaldo and him. Ronaldo's not a player that's going to give up his freedom. He He's improved on tracking back over the past three years, but not to an extent where you can say uh, he's doing a lot of work on that left wing, so you don't need to defend the whole. The, all the other players on the squad don't need to defend more. So there comes the the point where is Bale gonna be as effective when he has so many more defensive duties to do uh, than it is when he has a free role? For me, I think that Ronaldo's definitely gonna stay this year. 
I think all the signs point to that. I think his only concern was Mourinho staying or going. And uh, now that Mourinho is gone, I think he will be signing a new contract soonish. At least I hope. Uh, he would bail would fit on the right wing. That's the only position that I think he would fit in. We have Uzo that's in the AM position. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Uh, Ronaldo on the left wing, so there's tactically he would go on the right wing. Do you so, think he's better than Di Maria? Uh, Bale? Yeah. It, it depends on what you're asking him to do. Because Di Maria is, on top of his game, Di Maria is a brilliant player. He's His work rate is, I think, bar none on the planet. But his biggest problem is he's a very pacey player. He's a very skilled player. He's an idiot, though. <laughs> he cannot make the right decision. He's mm. kind of like, so uh, as he's kind of like a kid that's had too much candy and is just twerking around, doesn't know what to do. Sounds and, like the Walcott. Wow, yeah. <laughs> just, just much more leaner in terms of how he falls on the ground a lot. <laughs> uh, so, like most of the times, he just trips over his own like twists and turns. And the problem with Di Maria is that he's just way too inconsistent. And I don't think he's his as a footballing brain. He's good, he's good enough to progress because he came out with shocking comments the other week saying that he thought he had a very good season, which is quite a statement considering he had possibly his worst season with us in the last three years. So Bale would do better in terms of an attacking option on the right, but would he do be- Would he be able to do the same job that Di Maria was doing in terms of? defensive work and another point is 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 Bale's skill set something that would add uh something different to the squad our squad is already a very athletic squad they're very quick they're very uh direct set of players and our biggest problem this year is that teams have decided you know what we're no longer gonna press them we're no longer gonna try and attack them. All we're going to do is just sit 10 players in the box and wait for them to attack and then try and expose them by from their wingers attacking. And how Bale would deal with this is that I'm guessing he would add an option in terms of shooting from far away, uh, quick movement. But when you're when, when opposition's sitting deep, it gives, it kind of minim, minimizes that skill set of pace and power that Ronaldo has. And that's why we see Ronaldo has has kind of suffered this year. I mean, as as tough as that sounds, because he has 55 goals or something. <laughs> but suffered in terms of he's had to work much harder for his goals than he did the year before. And I think that's that. That's where the question comes. Is 
Bale a kind of player that would add something different to help with this problem? Or is maybe a player like Isco where he can actually hold on to the ball, slow down the play, the give that killer pass, close control is what we need? Personally, I think it's more of an uh, a player like Isco that we need than it is Bale. Not saying that one is better than the other. They're completely different players. It's just that the skill set that's needed for tactical diversity comes more with uh, Isco than Bale. I, th- I think as well, I, it's it's hard to disagree with anything you're saying. I mean, I, I think Bale is Bale is a, a fantastic talent. He's he's you know I, I I would honestly say kind of probably in my time as a Spurs fan. It, although we've had some very different types of players. I mean. Luka Modric being one of them, um, Dimitar Berbatov, who, despite him not maybe rising to the occasion at United, was absolutely fantastic for us. David Ginola, Paul Gascoigne. I mean, Bale really is in my lifetime easily one of the best, if well, if not the most effective players I've ever seen at, at the club. He's, I mean, I've never really seen a buzz around a player in terms of the media and the worldwide media as, as I've ever seen. With with Gareth Bale, um, I've never experienced it with one of our players before either. To be honest, um, my favourite player I've ever seen is Luka Modric, but I've never seen the media go into a frenzy about one of our footballers like they have about Gareth Bale. And and you can understand it. I mean, when you see the type of goals he scores, they are they are spectacular. He he is that player that a lot of times this season when we've been struggling in a game. I mean, when we played against his old team, Southampton, I was at the game and it was it was an awful match, an awful match. We we never really kind of showed up. The other team, to be fair to them, you know, they're a lower league opposition, but they kind of were really up for the match. But you could see they kind of lacked the skill to really damage us, um, barring kind of a, an odd lapse in concentration. And the game was just a complete stalemate. Um until Bale just popped up 89th minute and just scored a goal from 30 something yards. And that that's kind of, I think that's one of his main strengths. I think as much as he has that kind of ability on the ball, the, the pace, the strength, the shooting, he does seem to really have that winning mentality as well. You can see he, he, he always wants to win. He's, he is one of the players in our squad that will still keep pressing until the final whistle when you can see maybe some of them are just thinking, well, we're probably quite happy to get a draw here. Or I mean, he he genuinely always seems to want to be a winner. And I guess that's that's a mentality that's always really welcomed at a team like Madrid. And obviously, it should be welcomed anywhere. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, you know, you... The the type of players when you look through the look through the first team squad, um, you can just see it. It's it's put together out of all these players from all these clubs. That you know, you, know, you, you signed Kakar and <laughs> he he doesn't even make your first tip. Well, I think he started to, hasn't he? By the end of the season, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he we might have just want him out. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but I, I I mean, we'll have him. Well, yeah, yes. I wouldn't mind. Yeah. Do, I mean, do you really want him? Do you really want him? Think about that statement for a while. <laughs> I'll swap him for Jake. I'll swap him for Jake Livermore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it comes down to: Would you guys? Would you be happy? Because our chairman, I don't know if you know much about Daniel Levy, but if you do get bail, it's not going to be cheap. Like he's not going to let you have it cheap. We're, um, we're fully aware of yeah. that. We've, we dealt with that with with Mudrunch, and it was not a it was not an easy negotiation, <laughs> as I remember. He's uh yeah he's he's quite renowned in in amongst the Spurs fans for for levying 
levying the uh, the opposition <laughs> chairman. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, you know, if we're talking about the sort of money, 70, 80 million pounds, are you are you going to be happy to see Real spend that on on Gareth? Not with or... not with Ronaldo yeah. there, not with Ronaldo there. If if you told me Ronaldo was leaving this season, I would have said go for Bale, whatever it costs. But with Ronaldo staying there, he's more of a luxury signing than he is a needed signing, and that's that comes with that's the biggest problem with it is that yeah. the, the, the there's there's obvious needs for the squad based on the problems they faced last season. And while Bale is a tremendous player and his skill set would definitely add some would definitely add to the squad, but it's not it won't cover the gaps that are already needed. So if we buy Bale, we will still need someone that can actually help Modric in and Ozil in holding on to the ball and doing that killer pass a bit further up the pitch. And as you mentioned, the price tag is not an easy one to 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 pay up. And for someone that's dealing with, for, when we got Ronaldo, he was already a Ballon d'Or winner, and that kind of warranted the price tag. And while I'm not saying that Bale hasn't warranted this price tag, because in my opinion, the market has been set by Barcelona paying for Neymar this year paying a full 57 million I think for a player that's 21 years old or 20 years old that hasn't played in Europe so that if the, if you pay that much for a player for a player outside of Europe then uh the Premier League's best player is going to have to be significantly higher than that amount and that sets that sets the problem of well we need a lot of we we need some more additions to the squad and if all the money's going to be spent on getting bail uh as opposed to getting other players then we we shouldn't be getting bail and should be concentrating on making the full squad better rather than just one position better what would yeah. you make of a um of a player plus cash deal for Gareth Bale i mean there's there's some players that we could probably do and i mean Gonzalo Higuain for one yeah um Jose Callejon we could probably do with to to replace him on the wings somebody like that would would that be more of an interest where you, your squad wouldn't be as inflated by bringing in another player and you'd be able to give him that season while Ronaldo's still there to bed in, in, in Spanish football, but you'd be losing a squad member to ourselves. I, I would think that that a player plus, like a cash plus player deal would be the one that they would possibly go with. But I also think that, I think Higuain would want to play Champions League football, mostly just to prove to those that doubted him in terms of his Champions League quality that he can actually uh do well in that competition. So that kind of sets the tone where not sure how much he'd want to move to Spurs with no Champions League football. And as sad as it sounds like Champions League football has become the benchmark for some for for teams for players to go to places or not. As you can see Don't Suarez you, yeah. Don't you worry, Suarez. we know that well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Suarez is biting around about wanting to leave. Oh, well done. Well done. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I, thought, I thought you guys would like that. Uh, uh, but, uh, and Callejon is a brilliant player for me. I would love, I would hate to see him leave from the squad just because he's he's been with the squad for about, uh, since he was young, since he was 10 years old, left for a couple of years 
to gain experience and came back. Uh, but I wouldn't imagine he would make the deal any less uh, expensive in terms of he wouldn't cost that much. I think he would yeah, be around the 10, 15, 10 million to 15 range. million. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And when and you're paying 85, that's not going to make a big difference. I just think it's well, it's it's something we can we can talk about for a long time, I'm sure. But I think you know, uh, it, to to cut to my Harry Redknapp style, I think uh, it, it's just pertinent to say, Bassam, will Gareth Bale be a Real Madrid player next season? I don't think so. Kaushik? I don't think so either. Raj, um, I don't think so either. No, I think he'll stay another season. Well, I think he will. I'm just going to buck the trend. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he will. So there we go. I don't think the media stories are going to go away, by the way, because papers need column inches and they're going to carry on for the next however long until somebody else starts making transfer rumours for them. I think it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's dealings between Spain and England probably have to be the worst. What with having the sun in England and Marca. Marca. Uh, Marco Marca, yeah. It's, it's unbearable at times, but, you know, we it's a transfer season. You just you just have to stop reading the newspapers. That's it. <laughs> and Twitter and forums and yeah, <laughs> just just hide in your room, turn the lights off, wait for the wait for the season to start again. Hi- hibernate it. for two three. That's hours. it. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could. I miss it so much. <laughs> um, well, I think going forwards, I mean, when we look at kind of the dealings we've had in the past, obviously the one that sticks out is Luka Modric. Um, you've been happy with how he's been this year he seems like he's kind of started to bed in a bit towards the end of the year uh, I think I, I, I'll be a good person to answer this because Basam and I had a lot of lot of arguments last season uh, like I said mostly because I didn't watch enough of Modric and Basam did and he thought he would uh, address a lot of the squad's needs and I didn't um, I, I'm happy to be surprised I, the first half of the season was a little slower than he would have liked um, that's again mostly because he didn't uh, get a consistent run of games and you know how it is for midfielders you have to play three four games together to get that rhythm going and he got his chances um, later on in the season and and he's impressed a lot i think he he covers a position that that we need and, and an alternative creative outlet to Xabi uh, alonso I, i'm happy with how he's going and i think i think he can he can have a you know proper breakout year next year for Madrid. I mean, it's, I, I, yeah, oh, sorry, Pastor, I'm going for it. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I was a huge fan of Luka Modric. I was on the Luka Modric bandwagon before it even existed, just because I thought, as I, as I mentioned before, in terms of the Isco slash Bale debate, he was a skill set that we needed in the squad, and we got him. Unfortunately for him, uh, we, went, we were able to buy him until the last day of the transfer window, and that kind of he was able to miss miss out on the whole uh preseason and it didn't help him that Mourinho's not a play not a manager that likes a technical cm mm. he wants one that's big and strong and can go into tackles and all that bullshit and he didn't come to the acceptance of the fact that modric was needed in our midfield until uh modric we scored absolutely that goal. did yeah, until, until we absolutely needed him. Yeah, until we absolutely needed him. And it helped that he kind of scored that goal against Man United and uh, kind of just exploded after that. And I think he's just going to get better this season. I think uh, what, at least I hope. what Modric had going against him, um, even whilst he was in the Premiership, 
uh, even amongst kind of a lot of Spurs fans, is that he was always kind of one of those players that fans who really enjoyed football for the game and for, for the subtle nuances and for brilliant passing moves and for a player's individual brilliance. At times, um, I think people kind of thought, well, he doesn't score enough goals or he doesn't dribble past players and do amazing tricks and stuff. But what a lot of people would miss is the fact that he was like our metronome. You know, he, he was the player that everything went through. Um, so as much as you might not see him doing what maybe Gareth Bale does, whereby the TV cameras are there and they catch him scoring a 35-yard free kick or, or you know, dribbling past two players and scoring, what Modric had in abundance was just his, his sheer brilliant subtlety and the way in which he just played football was was again, in its own respect, probably not something we'd seen for quite a while at Tottenham. I think he was he was probably a victim of a, a similar syndrome to, although I don't think Michael Carrick is anywhere near as good as Luka Modric. Or I think Michael Carrick is also sometimes a victim of the fact he's a player that maybe doesn't do anything that looks that flashy for the cameras. But you just ask a, a Man United fan that, you know, what Michael Carrick's contribution has been to their to their success this year. And you see he's been one of their best players as much as the highlights probably wouldn't show it. And I think we have at times really, really missed Modric. Um, and it's, it's, it's always been, you, you've had that one camp of Spurs fans that's been like, ah, oh, get rid of him. He didn't do anything anyway. He didn't score enough goals. We've got some money. Ha ha, look, he's not doing that well at Madrid. But, I don't know. I, th- I know Raj. You're you're a very big fan of his, and you you'd uh, you probably have a lot more. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive advocate of trying to bring Luka Modric back if we ever could. Because, as I say, he's genuinely the best footballer I've ever seen in a Tottenham shirt, and we've had quite a few decent ones in the past few years. I think genuine. I think he's actually a better player to have in your team than Gareth Bale is, even now after he's had this season, because he's the type of footballer that. Although, as you say, he doesn't do anything flashy, he makes the rest of the team better just by being there. And I think the the best way you can almost see that is the difference in between how the person in midfield played with him last season and how they've played this season, and that would be Scott Parker. Mm. And Scott Parker last season seemed brilliant because his 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 role was to tackle and then pass the ball three yards to Luka Modric, who would continually be on his shoulder, and then he'd recycle possession. Whereas this season, Scott Parker's got a bigger role to do because Moussa Dembele just isn't in the same league as Luka Modric, and he won't be there all the time, and he won't have that same ability to recycle possession at the same consistency that Modric does. Um, With Modric, I mean, the fact that he's gone to Real Madrid, who are, in my opinion, the biggest club in the world for a large fee, just about shows why he's that good. Um, in terms of how he's bedded in at Madrid, I think the fact that he didn't start as much earlier on in the season probably has to do with the fact that Sami Khedira started the season a lot better than I've ever seen him play before for Real Madrid. And that partnership with Alonso as the second band in midfield, just in front of the defenders, seemed to be a lot more effective than it had in previous seasons, which is probably what Modric had been brought in to remedy. And in order to break that duopoly of those two in that second band, he'd have had to done something, done something quite startling in training, I imagine, to get in. And he was quite often being played as a substitute with Ozil, wasn't he, up front, um, as part of the front three with Ronaldo and um, 
Di Maria on the other side, which just isn't his natural position as a number 10. He's not as effective higher up the pitch because he doesn't have the time on the ball he would further back. Um, but now he is getting a chance to play deeper with Alonso. I think going forward, that might be Madrid's most effective um, partnership there, especially if you get a more pragmatic manager next season than, than Jose Mourinho. Uh, someone like an Ancelotti might use him as he did with Kaká and it'll be I think he'll be a joy to behold next season for you unfortunately but I think Madrid if there are there are whispers about other clubs putting in bids for him I mean Mourinho's been bid, like, linked with him at Chelsea but I think Madrid would be stupid to sell him um, and I think you probably both agree from what you said but yeah I could I could sit and eulogise about him <laughs> for hours on end he's, he's Genuinely, a special footballer. I, I I can I think Madrid fans would also relate to what you were saying in terms of a uh, Parker Modric combo. It's similar to what we have in uh, Alonso Kadira combo. Instead, maybe the roles are different in in the sense that Alonso plays a bit much deeper than Modric would. But uh, yeah, a lot of people might not appreciate. For example, I mean, everyone appreciates Alonso just because he's awesome. But uh, a lot of people might not appreciate Alonso's contribution to goals and stuff like that. But his passing ability and the way we see how the team plays when he's not there, it shows. You can see the drop in quality. You can see the drop in fluidity. And that's what Modric has helped this year in terms of when Alonso wasn't here. At first, Modric tried to take his place. It wasn't as easy just to get used to the system. But uh, as the season progressed, Modric has been able to step in for Alonso and the team hasn't lost as much fluidity as it used to lose before and it's basically coming to par where if we lose Alonso we have Modric that's right there and if not we can have both of them and that means we have two very good outlets on the field for passing I just I just wish we had Modric while AVB was in charge I think he would have really really utilized him and uh well there we go Selavi you guys missed on Moutinho, didn't you? I was I I was excited for him to go to Spurs. Were we linked with Moutinho? I must have missed that one. I, <laughs> I, I, I at least maybe I remember last season, uh, last yeah, transfer was, window, where yeah. you guys almost missed out on him, or the fee wasn't, or maybe I was just reading too much rumors. No, you know, no, it's no. Like war and peace with Moutinho. Yeah. I mean, I think two two windows ago. In the in AVB's first summer window, it was paperwork and third party ownership that stopped him coming, and I think we actually got an hour extension onto the end of the transfer window from Daniel Levy doing something dodgy, I imagine, uh, to get that <laughs> get that extended, um, and then it still didn't go through because Porto essentially dallied so that they could keep him, and then to see the window afterwards, I think we probably had a go to to try and buy him then as well, but by that point, I think. Um, his fee had gone up because they'd bought his third-party ownership and then there's no way we can compete with the money that Monaco were offering him and the tax rate, especially here. I think it's it had been taxed 50% of whatever it earned in our country, whereas in Monaco he'll be on a Riviera not being taxed a penny and genuinely I, I can't begrudge him of that because it sounds like quite a good deal to me. Yeah, it? it sounds all right, doesn't it, really? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if either of you have ever been to Tottenham, but I think if you... Have a look at maybe someone chilling out on the high road versus uh, 
you know, like you say, being on the Riviera. I think if you put Tottenham into Google Images, the, the first image you'll probably get is uh, a burnt-out pub when it was rioted. And <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think you get that in Monaco. Um, I think if you Google Image Monaco, you're probably going to get a supermodel hugging a A-list celebrity. The closest thing they've had to a riot was probably someone dropping a champagne flute off a yacht or something, wasn't it, really? you know. Yeah, and just wrote a cheque for it a minute later. Yeah. <laughs> now, they wire transferred it, only, only pledged these cheques. <laughs> um, but, I mean, well, uh, as well, I guess we've had Van der Vaart. But Adebayor, I mean, that, uh, a, a lot of people seem to forget that he was actually leading the line for Real for, for a season, at least. Um, Half a season, I believe. Half, well, half a season. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> Did uh, we sad to see him go at all? No. Not really. Not really. <laughs> I, I, I was I was sad at the idea that he might have made it permanent. That's, <laughs> that was that was very sad. I mean, he he was he was a nice guy. He enjoyed his time here like no other. He said all the right things. But at the end of the day, he was nowhere near the quality that we would have wanted or his track record in terms of he does well when he first comes in and then he just takes a huge dip. Oh, I think we know that one very well, don't we, Raj? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we he he came in because Mourinho wanted a new striker uh because of uh Pepita's injury and I can I can't believe that was 3 years ago. That was 3 years it, ago, yeah. It seems like uh, 15 and uh, what's it called? And he did a decent job. He he played into the mentality that Mourinho did, wanted. So he pushed a couple of Barcelona players. He, I think he punched Mascarano once. <laughs> All the stuff that Mourinho likes. That if Mourinho, if you do that for Mourinho and he still doesn't want you on the squad, that kind of tells you something. I think like yeah, he's 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 he is particularly brilliant at that kind of thing. I think. He was, you know, because he obviously came from Arsenal and he was particularly hated because of the way in which he embraced the fan rivalry. Um, but then even before, way before he signed for Tottenham, I think he almost became a, a, a cult figure amongst a lot of Spurs fans after his big money move to Man City. When after scoring against us, yeah, you've you got to imagine the Arsenal fans were giving him dogs abuse for an entire match. He went and scored the goal to put Man City ahead. Um, and ran literally from the other end of the pitch, ran 50, 60 yards all the way to the other end of the pitch, slid in front of the Arsenal fans and just said, yes, hello, I just scored against you. What are you going to say to me now? And it's and, and that's that's kind of one of the things that is obviously so brilliant and annoying about him. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of Adebayo. I think he brings a lot to our team. Um that a lot of people may not agree with me on, but he, he works hard. He runs around, controls the line. Um, and I, I, I like to think that Real Madrid are, are missing out and it's, Tot- <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's Tottenham's massive game that we have a striker that scored, what, about five goals this year, wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't it, Raj? Yeah. 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 His contribution does five goals, yeah. Yeah. But but he... I think with, with Adibayor, I think his role in the team is a lot more pragmatic than it might be especially as you say before the difference between appreciating a player like Modric and appreciating a player like Bale because he doesn't score the 30 yard scream as some people don't <clears throat> seem to pick up on the effect he has on the team and I remember um, you probably had a match of the day here um, 
it's not great with the greatest of pundits. And um, I think when we beat Manchester City at home 3 1, they said that Adebayo had done nothing that game. When having watched the game live, he proceeded to run around Vincent Company like a rag doll for 75 minutes, yeah. which then allowed us to score three goals because the Man City defenders were tired. And that's his role because the way we play, we have a front four. So you've got Lennon, Bale, and then one of Holtby or Sigurdsson or Dempsey floating around somewhere. And then Adibayo, usually at the top, or sometimes, unfortunately, Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> um, and then um, there he starts. What his role essentially is, is to float in the spaces where the front four are because they're quite fluid. And he does that so effectively. And he's so good at picking up spaces and running channels. And he works hard, which is something that isn't often attributed to him. People often lambast him for looking tired or putting his hands on his hips. But when you when you actually see the work he puts in, he actually does quite a lot. He just hasn't had the goals this season to justify it, unfortunately. I mean, he's had some poor moments it, Penalty miss is one of them, and earlier on the season he, he was making noises about leaving because he wasn't starting. Just because I think that's probably the man he is. He's slightly childlike in his demeanour, but as a footballer and the way he's performed this season, I think it's been very overplayed how bad he's been. I think he he's genuinely been very good at the front. I think the reason he worked, he his working so hard has created goals for other people. I mean, running channels and things is something that. You probably sound a bit poncy for trying to point out when somebody makes a, a run um, and drags a defender away. It's something that you'd expect a pundit to be doing on one of those touchscreen TVs rather than someone talking it's, about it. Like, it's, it's, but, it's quite hard on the terraces on a on a on a Thursday Thursday night kickoff in the cha- well Champions League. That's wishful thinking in the Europa <laughs> League when uh, you know you've got like the big big burly sort of bloke in front of you shouting, "I had a bio, you're useless, you're useless." Well, actually, sir, he runs the channels really effectively, <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, he, he's definitely one of those players. And I think, well, I, I guess one of the things I've actually probably quite criminally missed out, um, I will shoulder the blame, guys, don't worry, um, is this supposed partnership that we have. Um, I mean, is, is much made of this, this Tottenham partner? I can't imagine as much is made of a partnership with Tottenham as a, you know, as it is in reverse with us, but... After the Modric signing, um, quite a lot of noise was made from our chairman that, you know, we've lost Luka Modric. Yes, we have. That's a big shame. He expressed a desire to leave. But as a result of this, not only do we have a lot of money, um, we've also got a new a partnership in place, which I think the only kind of side we see of it is, you know, when Chelsea and Man City try to buy our players, we can say, sorry, Real Madrid get first option. Um yeah. <laughs> but there, there's I, I don't know there's been a lot of talk as well about sharing kind of the way in which just I, I think one of the things that uh one of the a kind of respected Tottenham blogger was was talking about was uh how we are basing a lot of our kind of commercial model on Real Madrid and you've been helping us out a lot with that and uh th- that more kind of off-pitch financial generation type stuff I mean uh, did did you guys even hear anything about this partnership or? Oh, we did hear about the partnership. About... Yeah, go for hey, it. We... Oh, okay, oh. I'll go. Uh, I think we heard about it when we first did the signing. Uh, uh, from our perspective, it was more of a sharing coaches and ideas kind of partnership. Yeah. Uh, that's the I, that's how it was marketed, at least to 
Atletico Madrid fans. And I think everyone took it as a subtle way of saying, yes, if they have a good player that we want, if <laughs> any other player, if any other team wants them, we can come and say, no, we'll pay this amount and we'll get him. And I think that's the, that's the gist that we got off of it. But you know what? If uh, Florentino Perez is the one who's giving uh, marketing advice, you guys are into making a lot of money because if, the, if there's one person that can generate uh, revenue for for or has ideas on how to generate revenue then he is the man he might he might have some flaws in terms of his obsession with buying the be- the best players uh but uh his ability to i mean we've paid a hundred plus million over the years every year almost except for last year on players yet we still come up with about 40 million 50 million profit every year and that considers our wages that are very high and all that stuff. So he he has good ideas from that perspective. And I think uh, both teams can can. There's nothing wrong with sharing uh, coaching ideas, especially from possibly two different uh, coaching mentalities, uh, the English one and the Spanish one. And uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if there's there was like youth talent exchange and stuff like that. Well, it's, it's funny you say that because. Uh... I don't know how familiar you guys are and if you have any of your, your Real Madrid kind of readers um, into this, but it's it's often joked about amongst Tottenham circles that we're going to try and sell you one of our youth players called Kenny McAvoy. Um, or Kenny, Kenny McAvoy, I think is the actual pronunciation. But if you just have a look in a, a Google image search after we finish this, I think you'll see why. Obviously, he'll probably be wearing a Bale shirt at the time, but uh, it'll be it'll be a bit of an eye-opener for you. Um, you have me intrigued. Yeah, it's, it's... oh dear God, he looks exactly like him. Yeah, <laughs> he's like a. He's from Cali, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> so just just be careful. Yeah, we'll we'll pay sixty million for the copy. Yeah, I think the partnership was more um, something what on the lines of what Basam said. A lot of marketing advice and jargon. I wouldn't be surprised if we faced each other in a lot of these pre-season, mid-season, post-season friendlies uh, or have training camps at each other's, uh, you know, stuff like that, which which is a lot more behind-the-desk stuff than than signing players. I wouldn't mind a little swap. I mean, if you're worried about Bale fitting into the same team as Ronaldo, I mean, I wouldn't mind a little swap there. Do you think, Raj? <laughs> I reckon we could. I think we could live with that, maybe. I think Levy will have to be after some money on top of that deal. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can settle you with Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> You're not getting a straight swap. We're going get, to be getting something out of it. Yeah, definitely. You can give us the bail lookalike. <laughs> well, that's all right then. <laughs> um, right, well, I think that's... Yeah, I'm sure there's probably a lot more we could talk about, but uh, we've covered quite a lot today and it's uh, it's definitely been very interesting talking to you guys. So once again, thanks very much for... For you, well, for talking to us today, I should say, and educating our uh, our Tottenham fans in the ways of Real Madrid. Uh, thank you a lot for having us. This was a lot of a lot of fun, and with uh, a fun club like Spurs as well. I'm, I'm trying to like sweet talk right now. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Hope we can do this again when we meet in the Champions League or something. Well, when we sign Bell, we'll 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 we'll, see, we'll talk again when we sign Bell, maybe. Yeah, oh, that sounds all right. So, see you in a, see you in a week then. Yeah. <laughs> all right, cheers, and guys, and uh, thank you everyone for for listening today. And uh, hope you haven't been uh, 
too disappointed with uh, what I've had to say today. Do you think, Raj, how, how do you think it's been? I think, you know, you were slightly disappointed. I mean, I, I think I made up for it, which is which is all right. I've, I've carried the weight of the two of us. Um, and it's it's a considerable weight as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we, um, yeah, no, we did fine. Um, thanks very much as well on, on the site's behalf for the two lads joining in because, um, as I say, it's our first venture into a proper podcast. So um, I look forward to doing more in the future. So, right, well, good night, everyone, and thanks for listening. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.